0: Hello, listeners. I am David Blakesley, and this is episode 127 of the Criterion Reflections Podcast. This is a program where I've been working my way through the Criterion collection in chronological order of original release, making a very slow, methodical uh, crawl through the collection, including uh, affiliated films, not necessarily just the discs, but stuff that's happening on the Criterion channel and old laser discs and anything that's kind of Criterion related. So, today, uh, our topic is Blackula, a 1972 black exploitation horror mashup, which I guess is kind of a good thematic fit with uh, October and Horror Month and Halloween coming up in a few days. And uh, I'm really ex- especially excited to have a, a great guest on today, uh, Aaron West. Aaron and I, we go back some years now. We've both been podcasting about Criterion. We've been on each other's shows. But it's been a while since we've had a chance to uh, talk directly on the podcasting format, we do chat offline and behind the scenes from time to time. In fact, pretty frequently. But uh, <laughs> it's great to great to get you together, Aaron. So, uh, welcome back to the pro- uh, program. It's it's good to hear your voice again.
1: Likewise, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Who's this new phone? <laughs> okay. um, yeah, it's it's um, it's a thrill to be back. And as you know, I mean, we like like you said, we've been on each other's shows. But we have been. Um, trying to get me back on uh, for any episode. I think we were trying with the Pasolini at once. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. A couple uh, near misses. Uh, the, the thing is I have this other podcast, so that that commands a lot of my time and attention. So um, uh, this one just kind of came together quickly, so I, I really appreciate uh, you thinking of me, which is very interesting, uh, as I am a very, very white male. So I'm. <laughs> That's right. Su- yeah. Surprised you thought me qualified to speak on well, the subject. Well, but actually, th- we'll we'll get there.
0: Sure, we'll put the cards on the table and talk about a little bit of that. But yeah, I don't think I mentioned, but yeah, Criterion now obviously is the show that you and Jill Blake co-host. Yes, a pretty big part of the Criterion cast uh, network here. In fact, I've kind of considered us kind of partner podcasts for for a while now and made a reference in my previous episode and also i did a interview recently with a director named matthew gentile uh who's got a new film called american murderer that's uh in theaters right now gonna be coming live to streaming uh, right at the end of October, and I definitely want to re- encourage listeners to give that episode uh, a bit of your time. It's about an hour long, and it's a great conversation with a up-and-coming young director who's, I think, produced a pretty impressive debut feature. And I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, your program, Aaron. He says, yeah, he's, he's a fan of both of our shows, and uh, he's probably a good guy to get on a gu- as a guest for Criterion Now of these days, uh, you know, just to drop that little reference in there. But yeah, sure.
1: we'll yeah. Have our people call his people <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's kind of what he did. I mean, he he kind of introduced himself to <laughs> yeah. me as a fan of our programs and and a frequent listener, and I, well, that got my attention, and uh, we had a good conversation. But, uh, you know, speaking of podcasts, I you know, I think uh, anybody who's been listening to, to my show regularly or tuned into Criterion Cast knows that you and Jill had a little bit of a, a hiatus over the summer. Uh, you've been picking up the pace a little bit recently, but you want to just kind of fill listeners in on what you've been up to and where things are at with you.
1: Yeah, and in fact, what's weird is th- this is like the third time using <laughs> this computer since uh, the... Since uh, that that uh, episode, actually, uh, since we recorded with uh, Serge Bromberg with Lobster Films, which is an episode that's not even out yet, um, yeah, I, we, I had some health issues. Uh, I, I think you know people who, who have been paying attention to what's going around probably can uh, read into what that was, and, um, and and also Jill, you know, she's a mom, so she uh, and she has a daughter who swims and there are other um, activities, so it, it was just a little tougher to catch each other and uh, and also i i really needed to he- heal um and i have uh, quite a bit so we returned i think we recorded an episode just like a kind of a you know hey we're back episode right and then then we had sean baker and uh xi ching su the directors of uh, Takeout, take out and that was a really fun episode i really liked sean uh, and it was nice to meet uh xi ching as well she was really um yeah really intriguing character and mm-hmm. i got to talk to a taiwanese person about taiwanese cinema so that that was a a treat for me um and we've already recorded our catch up like main catch up episode and we recorded it last week it'll probably be out after this drops i'm i'm guessing maybe maybe by a day or two
0: yeah, yeah, I'm going um, to try to get this one out pretty soon. We're recording on Wednesday, the what the 26th. So, yeah, this may be coming to you pretty hot off the press in a matter of hours or at least a day. So <laughs> that's my goal yes. anyway.
1: Yeah. So there'll be a, one of ours coming uh, off the press as well. And it's basically a catch-up of all the months we missed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, And we were really surprised by how much uh, they put out in that time um, and how, how good the stuff was. And then oh, the, yeah. day a- the day after we recorded is when we heard about the layoffs. So um, mm. uh, so we did we did address that. That's actually part of the reason why it's not out yet. But um, it'll probably be out soon. And it was great to uh, talk with uh, Jill. Uh, we had uh, Drew Morton as a guest. He's become a fast friend. Um, and, uh, and yeah, David, I'm, I expect at some point we'll have you on as well. Yeah,
0: well, I would love the chance to get together and mix it up with you and Jill and any other guests that you might happen to bring on. But yeah, it sounds like fun and I look forward to that opportunity to get back into the Criterion Now conversation. Always enjoy kind of the updates. And yeah, and I'm glad that you had a good summer off. It's definitely nice to have you back and I I understand how busy life can get. I kind of took the month of July off myself. So I know our our website wasn't kind of pumping out a whole lot right. of new content, but we are back, and I think we both expect to pick up the pace uh, pretty frequently as the as the fall and winter months settle in.
1: And what was interesting about that is, you know, we obviously we didn't coordinate to uh, stop recording. No, for, it just sort uh, of happened like that, right? But um, you know, and we know we have listeners, and and Criterion Cast has a listener base, but. Heard from a lot more people that I'd never heard from before. You know, you don't always hear the names and faces, or right. you know, some in the case sometimes tweets or Facebook messages. So um, it was appreciated that we were missed, and um, and that and also we were welcomed back by a lot of new people. So um, and I'll just share that I am f- kind of going full time with some of this stuff. So keep an eye out uh, next maybe couple months uh, there, there might be some announcements. And we're definitely going to pick up the uh, the pace. Uh, we we had a great guest list that, of people that we'd secured that we wanted to get to and just never had time. And guess what? We still have that list. So uh, some good episodes coming.
0: Cool. Well, that's a nice little teaser of coming attractions. So uh, let's get into the business at hand here. We are talking about Blackula, as I've already mentioned. Uh, this is a film that is currently streaming on the Criterion channel. It's part of a bundle that's simply called Vampires. And I think it's pretty obvious what the connection is here. You know, Criterion's definitely trotting out the horror themes. They've got an 80s horrors bundle. They've got this vampires thing. And and that's pretty much what they've done over the past few years as the channel's been around. Uh, but this one here, you know, because it's a 1972 film, in fact, it was released in late July of 1972. That's exactly where I am on my timeline. Just did a kind of a triple feature episode with uh, Chow Manhattan... Greaser's Palace and Bone, three other Criterion Channel titles, so I'm kind of getting into some of the, the backwater of uh, the Criterion Collection, if you will. Uh, and this is a film that probably won't stay on the channel for very long, um, and I'm not sure that this is a film that really cries out for a, you know, deluxe Blu-ray package. It's not a bad film by any means. It's, it's very competent, and it's a very interesting twist on the vampire take, uh, as well as uh, what has been a pretty you know significant trend that i've already talked about in uh, in in this podcast which is the emergence of exploitation cinema uh, shaft being perhaps the most significant couple titles we've done both shaft and shaft's big score in fact both of those episodes were released before the uh you know the 4k and blu-ray package came out on disc by criterion because they were featured on the channel earlier so uh, you know, just as we also talked about, you know, kung fu cinema with the Bruce Lee films, uh, you know, there was just a lot of this mm-hmm. kind of outbreak of, of, of genre specialties uh, catering to different audiences, but really, you know, a, a very eclectic audience as well. Yes, this is a black exploitation film, probably made primarily with black viewers in mind, but not exclusively. This is a film that I think can be enjoyed on its own terms. By a couple of white guys like us, you and me, Aaron, and listeners from all you know ethnicities, genders, ages. Uh, if you're into the vampire thing, I think this is a pretty interesting take on it. Uh, you want to kind of give your opening thoughts on uh, on Blackula? We'll get maybe into a little bit of the plot or the basic sure. setup, but yeah. what, what's your overall impression?
1: Well, I I, I was I, thank you for again the invite and the opportunity to watch it because um, otherwise I might not have. Um watched it i haven't watched any um from from any others from that bundle Mm -hmm. but um what's interesting is when i was uh, studying for film uh one of my early film classes actually maybe even like my professor mentor i think everybody has one of those um from their college days um he was a a big film enthusiast and we became friends after the class but he had done his master's thesis on black exploitation, and so this is a long time ago and um and I had not then seen any. Uh, I might have seen Shaft by then. I, I can't remember if I if I saw that when I was young. I was certainly aware of it. Um, but I, you know, I I thought that was interesting. You know, the, all right, a master's thesis on black exploitation, and I, I kind of bookmarked that in my mind um, to address later. And um, and sure, I'm I'm not a expert on black exploitation, but I've seen a few, quite a few, actually. And I've enjoyed them uh, largely, even though, and this is what I, I kind of, so a lot of people get the impression that since we do film podcasts or we um, watch a lot of films that we're kind of gatekeepers and we, um, and we <laughs> only watch yeah. Bergman and Fellini <laughs> so, and, and maybe Martin Scorsese, but there's art in um, genre films as well. And I'm really happy that um, the channel and the uh, collection has expanded their reach. You mentioned the Kung Fu films, you know, mm-hmm. not just not just with uh, exploitation, but with a lot of a lot of films. I, I probably wouldn't have seen stuff from Peebles and uh, Parks um, uh, without it. So. So, yeah, I, I really interested in the genre. And uh, this is a major fixture. Uh, so I will say that I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um and I agree with you that it does, <laughs> that does not mean it's like a um, check all the good film boxes. <laughs> um, right, a, a film can be plenty enjoyable and not be Citizen Kane. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, I actually was surprised. So that, yeah, obviously they they took some shortcuts. You know, I could nitpick a couple writing things, uh, some acting. But they really had an interesting angle, which you kind of teased. Uh, mm-hmm. That I was, at first, I was like, I think we were both like, oh, this is going to be an easy film to talk about and watch. Um, and we probably won't dig too deep, but I I'm going to challenge that. I think this will be an interesting discussion.
0: <laughs> well, they're, they're right. It it does touch on some you know some themes that have depth. You know, I mean, I guess it, you can go as deep as you want to in some of the issues that it raises. But let's also face it. You know, Blackula. That's almost mm-hmm. like a joke of a name. Um, it, obviously, you know, Dracula, Black Blackula. It makes sense. Um, and it's also playing with all of those cliches of the vampire genre. You know, if you take the picture, there's no vampire there. You show mm-hmm. across to them, they spat. You know, they they freak out and they get all writhy and miserable, and they hit the sunlight or you know, the sunlight strikes them. They they melt away and die. Uh, the stake in the heart. I mean, all all of the you know the basic. Uh, tropes Tropes. of of vampire stories are are right there yeah (laughs) and and so you know they they kind of play with that and some of some of the scares are very contrived and very deliberately jumpy there's you've got a few fake outs where you think something is about to happen but of course it's just somebody putting the hand on the shoulder not you Mm -hmm. know somebody grabbing him and throttling them and but it but it leads to a climactic scene and you know there is kind of a you know predictable enjoyable arc for a scary movie with some cheesy entertaining aspects to it which is what i think a lot of people you know enjoy and look to uh when they want to watch you know a good old scary horror movie now i will also say that i'm not like mr horror movie in october kind of guy i mean I I, I kind of like that it came up that way. It's kind of a nice bit of timing, but that's not really a genre that I've really specialized in. There's a lot of pretty significant horror titles and franchises that maybe I've seen once, maybe I've not seen any of them, but I don't really you know gravitate or draw deep into that. So I'm kind of approaching it from that angle here. But I did find some very interesting, uh, you know, themes, topics, ideas and uh we did talk about it, another dracula movie a christopher lee movie uh uh dracula ad 1972 back in june right before i kind of started that little hiatus where i took the month of july off so this is my second vampire movie of the year that we've talked about and uh, both very interesting placing of the kind of you know archaic historic uh dracula vampire legend but bringing him into Contemporary mm-hmm. times with uh, you know with mixed results, but I actually think this one worked out all right.
1: Yeah, and I I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, one thing about the name, uh, you know, it's it's obvious, but it's actually a brilliant brilliant name. You know, sure. <laughs> I, think, I think it works better than the uh, what was it. Blackenstein. Blackenstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they could yeah. they could have uh, found another name. Yeah, well, it, and this it, director it just... <laughs> yeah,
0: This director went on to go, he did uh, Dr. Jekyll, or Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, I think is what it was. Which, again, Interesting. Dr. Black and yeah. Mr. Yeah. It, it doesn't really work, you know. But, yeah. but you, you can't really make <laughs> the same pun. But Blackula, as the, as the character is implied, is a black vampire. Not an African American vampire, but an African
1: vampire. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Do you want to try to set up? A, give us a little summary of the plot there, or I can take that on. What do, What do you feel like?
1: Ah, uh, sure, I can. I can tee it up. Okay, um, sure. Well, well I, First off, I'll, I, I think the the title makes it seem like it's going to be a comedy, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it maybe it was intended to be a comedy. What's What's interesting is I didn't find it that funny. Like I didn't have a lot of laugh out loud mo- moments, but I wasn't right. Uh, an, entertain and amuse. so I, I think i think it ultimately is was intended to entertain um this audience uh and yeah you're right made definitely for black people mm-hmm. and yeah regarding I, i'm not a dracula expert i i have read it and i've seen a couple movies probably maybe a couple hundred uh, about <laughs> uh, dracula so i'm pretty familiar with the story but what was interesting with this one is that um you know, it's it's diverts from the um, the original story immediately uh, with uh, um, I forget the with Blackula. I'm just going to call him Blackula because uh, his his real name is very tough to pronounce, multisyllabic. Yeah, right. And they meet the the actual Count Dracula from you know the Stoker novel from fiction, and and slavery comes up right away. And uh, that's kind of the angle in which um, this movie approaches the the theme of vampirism, and um, and it, it turns out, um, you know, no, not a spoiler alert. This is the first five minutes, but uh, OG Dracula was a bit of a racist, <laughs> <laughs> very
0: overtly so. Actually, yeah, and that's that's the idea is that. Uh... I'll 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 give the name. Mamu yeah. Mamuwalde was his name. He's a prince from uh, Nigeria region, and apparently he's been commissioned by the king of his country to go talk to this influential man in Europe, who happens to be Count Dracula, to say, "Can you use your influence to uh, you know weaken the slave trade?" Or, mm-hmm. And uh, and the Dracula character becomes rather mocking and insulting. Uh, but here, here is uh, Prince Walde, you know, maintaining his dignity, his his regal poise, mm-hmm. um, even as, the, as Dracula is making kind of, you know, crass comments towards his wife. Uh, it's a very interesting sort of way of bringing in th- this kind of African consciousness, which was definitely a very major theme in you know, sort of the black power movement, black thought philosophy, and uh, one of those kind of Uh, alternates to choose from as far as, you know, given the the position of black people in American society in the late 60s, early 70s, the assassination of King, you know, where do we look for for our future direction? Is it a militant thing, a Black Panther type of thing? Is Mm -hmm. it, you know, just making money and hustling and getting ahead in the game? Is there something to be gained from kind of a Reconnecting with our traditional and historic roots, and I think that's one of the those themes that you can definitely explore. They're kind of suggested here. It's not a deep, you know, profound analysis, but it's it's certainly a, a, an interesting influence to bring in African civilization into this story as kind of the the roots of of uh, you know what gets the plot going.
1: Yeah, and I I think using slavery as uh, really the plot device is fascinating mm-hmm. um because you don't really think of vampirism as uh being enslaved it's really not not been portrayed like that i'm sure there's there are vampires that are um there's sort of that romantic element that they wish <laughs> there's some some that wish to die mm-hmm. uh, but this this is definitely a different style of vampir- vampire um but the thing is uh, the og dracula as i mentioned was um not the best person Definitely not not a good host for his um, his visitors, <laughs> right. but he he is pro slavery and he, and very overtly again, um, and so that's where they part. But um, what was interesting is he converts uh, the lead again. I forgot the name of the character. Mama um, Walde in, there. Mama Walde, thank you. Um, into Dra- into Dracula, or and his doing so is an act of enslavement, and I think yeah. it's fascinating that later, of course, there's a love interest uh, that kind of resembles the Mina character from the, the novels, I would say. Um, maybe maybe a composite of uh, Nina and Lucy. But um, but really, it's all about enslavement. And so uh, unlike, say, again, every Dracula movie that's ever been made, the protagonist here, Blacula, is really a good guy. Um, and mm-hmm. And, and i think you could say that other movies have betrayed portrayed uh you know dracula as maybe not quite a good guy but you know ha- having um some nuance and having some um appeal like or maybe like an anti-hero but this is actually what I found interesting was it was it's actually a benevolent Dracula for the most part.
0: Yeah, I mean he does he does kill people he does you know convert There's them that. into vampirism <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the dark side there. But Nobody's you're right perfect. He, he does have he has a nobility about him throughout the entire arc of the film um, and. I mean, I don't know if this is a play on words or or some sort of meta concept, but he's kind of like a vampire with soul, you know.
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I think that's exactly it, and I think that's probably how how it was received, you know. And mm-hmm. and I think when we talk about black exploitation, and you also mentioned this, you know, uh, obviously the civil rights, all all that happened um, was and was happening at the time was. Very much on the mind of Black people. In fact, Black Panthers are are even referenced in this movie. Yeah, and uh, all the civil rights and segregation—that's probably in living memory of a lot of the people that worked on this film. And then slavery actually is probably in the living memory of some of their um, their parents or grandparents, Mm -hmm. most likely grandparents. So it's yeah, it's really interesting that you know, and previous to this. Black characters were just started, you know, in the heat of the night, it was was what, uh, 67? Yep, yep. Yeah, so that's five five years before this. Um, And so, so, you know, people like Poitier and um, Ossie Davis were kind of breaking through and playing um, actual protagonists. But the thing is, uh, people, the black community had not really seen a film that represented them until, you know, of course we can go into Sweetback and uh, Mm -hmm. Shaft and all that. But this is just another example. It's fascinating to watch this. And I think even though this is not a deep film and it does um, kind of paint by the numbers, I think it is a little deeper than, say, Shaft or, um, or you know, like um, Dolomite, just because it, it goes deeper into that um, you know that historic element. And and I'm a history guy, by the way, mm-hmm. so I, mm-hmm. that's why I kind of dug into it uh, with, with slavery and um and then transition that into actually I kinda of resembled Shaft <laughs> a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, app,
0: I think I cord. think Shaft is a probably a pretty um, apt template that they drew from because again yeah you've got the blackula character we can talk about the conceit of how they get him from dracula's castle in a casket <laughs> in transylvania over to contemporary los angeles you know obviously you get the sense that this is probably a low budget production so filming right there in la you know the vicinity of hollywood was as much as for uh, you know practical uh you know, the possibilities of making this film as much as it was for a plot device to get, you know, a black vampiric character into a current day historic setting. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, the 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 scenes in Dracula's castle, very low budget, very generic. There's not really much sense of past history other than the clothes and, you know, the the, the name dropping of Dracula right there. Uh, but yeah, once you once he, you get him into this contemporary setting, you do have a lot of the yeah, you know, the basic character types you know you've got your kind of jive talking uh fast comic relief there you've got uh, you know the elegant mm-hmm. women you've got some music and dancing and club life going on and then you've got the the tensions between the black uh, i guess he's kind of like a forensic investigator uh, dr gordon thomas and his uh, white uh cop sidekick as they're trying to figure out these uh, you know murderers. You know, Doctor Thomas thinks you know there might be something weird and you know kind of creepy and vampire uh, related going on as as the victims have you know gashes on their neck and 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 so on. So you know you've got this whole um, emergence of, of of black men uh, in in the working world, uh, just like Shaft as a detective, Private Eye is having to negotiate you know with. With whites who maybe at one point would have looked down on him, now they've got to treat him as an equal, and he's got you know he's got the ability to stand up and be his own man without having to do the full, I don't know, kind of that subordinate. Uh, he, he can be a real authentic, virile black man without having to feel apologetic or you know he's always going to be like the number two in the relationship there, which is some of the interesting dynamics in the Shaft films. Uh, yeah, go ahead
1: yeah I, I i'm glad you mentioned dr thomas because yeah. i was wondering because it, it at times um well first off I, I think he's a kind of an arc archetype for shaft he, mm-hmm. he seemed he seemed like the uh he didn't he's not shaft it was not uh the same actor not
0: yeah and uh, he's not an action guy in the same
1: way you know right. shaft certainly was but kind of has that um you know the the PI, the private mm-hmm. investigator, and, you know, kind of like uh, the noir uh, protagonists that would, um, he kind of plays that persona. But, of course, also very much um, a, a very likable character, uh, very much on the side of black community. Um, but I did not understand his actual background and practice because sometimes it seemed like he was, you know, had some sort of medical background, like especially Mm -hmm. with the autopsies.
0: Yeah. He's going into this morgue or it's, it's an office with the word morgue written on the door. Yeah. Um,
1: And, and, but he's, he's basically a private investigator is Mm -hmm. what what he is. So I don't know if that doctorate is a PhD or MD. I don't know that we'll ever know. Um, Yeah. But, but it is interesting that they, they, they introduced the, uh, the, the black, black concept, you know, kind of um, uh, marry that concept to slavery and then, um make Blackula benevolent, and then have a benevolent um and definitely not white and not a policeman um be the person that uh is trying to solve this uh this crime or not crime, but trying to figure out what's going on with uh, with the Dracula plot, which of course everybody's familiar with, as you mentioned uh he mm-hmm. does kill and eat people, so
0: <laughs> right and he- and there's a fair amount of um black aggression towards white figures uh there's a cop that gets kind of off there's a vampire that gets smacked around with a a white vampire with smacked around with a shovel so there and and i don't know that there's a whole lot of uh black bodies being victimized by white people here so there is definitely a a, you know kind of a bit of a projection maybe a little bit of a almost Mm -hmm. like a revenge fantasy when you see these cops getting you know kind of you know Maybe what what they deserve in a larger sense, uh, as well, and just you know, it's it's a it's a spectacle that you know a, a black audience might be able to appreciate, just in terms of uh, kind of a reversal of historic trends and a, a measure of justice in in some of these uh, you know some of these conflicts that that are put there on screen.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting about that is that uh, you know it's twenty twenty two and uh, that those issues. Still exist. Oh, for sure. In, yeah. In fact, I'd say they're even uh, even more. Uh, I don't want to use the word mainstream, but I want to say more uh, noticed or more. You know, every, everybody has a camera these days, so mm-hmm. and including the cops, um, and uh, white cops are not um, thought very highly of today as they weren't then. And it's interesting the way I, I agree. They they certainly do not um, portray any of the characters, the black characters, as being. Um, uh, violent towards other black characters, except for there's this one early scene that actually kind of surprised me. That um, that I was surprised that uh, he went for a black character, um, but they certainly don't like. Are you talking tops. about
0: the, the cab situation?
1: Uh, oh yeah, there's that that too. I was talking mm-hmm. about when the actually his his first killing that he makes um, when he oh. lands. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Comes so out let's, of his let's casket. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, you know, why why didn't, why didn't they call it a blasket? <laughs> 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 Well, let's
0: talk about that, because those are probably the scenes that might uh, grind against uh, contemporary viewers the most, because they do... you know, make pretty free use of, uh, you know, mockery of, of the gay community. There's a couple of characters in particular, yeah. very flamboyant interior decorators, you know, with all of the limprist and all of the, you know, exaggerated voice tones and all of that. There are a couple of interior decorators who uh, happen to be touring Transylvania and they stumble into, I guess it's sort of an estate sale of, of, the contents of Dracula's castle and they're just over the moon with the ability to bring home this vintage Transylvanian horror stuff because of course the camp value and you know the obscurity of it all is just gonna you know be such a sensation when they get back to back to LA and they can put it up for sale in their boutique um so that, <laughs> so that that's that's the concept I mean just just putting it into words just seems kind of like Amazing, like how did the script writers do this with a straight face? But of course, there's lots of movies that, <laughs> that play
1: with such implausibilities. Go ahead. I'm picturing the writer's room, and they're like, Hey, uh, estate sale, Dracula? <laughs> okay, good, good one, good one, Bob.
0: <laughs> so, so anyway, so yeah, they, they somehow get a, a sealed coffin through customs without anybody asking what's inside, <laughs> <laughs> and they're and they're then this is how uh, Blackula, Prince Mumble they uh, gets himself into contemporary Los Angeles because uh, they very conveniently force the lock open. They, they mm-hmm. you know, unseal the casket without actually lifting the lid to see what's going on there. And of course, you have your classic creepy horror—you know, the lid slowly creaking open, the hand reaching out—and then, mm-hmm. then the next thing you know, these these two uh, somewhat swishy guys have this uh, big imposing black vampire. You know, chomping on their necks. Uh, one of them is, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. You should also mention that they conveniently, um, the white character conveniently cuts himself. At, oh yeah, yeah. Gets a little gouge, right? So Which, yeah, yeah, that's the that's what lures uh, Dracula, uh, almost a Dracula, uh, <laughs> that lures Bla- yeah. Black you out. I love that scene. I thought it, I, so. I, I oh, had, Obviously, yeah. I, I don't like the the stereotypes. In fact, later in the film, um, and we've seen this in a lot of films, uh, you know. That, from that time period and afterward uh, yeah. that use um those stereotypes uh, but um, and they, slurs they, yeah and, and they use the, the f-word um you know the the homophobic f-word later in the in the movie so yeah i didn't like that but uh, but the whole way that they introduce uh blackula to the states um I, actually i think that is uh, you know i said i wasn't sure of the genre i think it is comedy camp um because that scene even though they're in hindsight, I'm laughing right now. Yeah. But I wasn't oh, yeah. laughing at the time because I was more intrigued at how they were going to pull this off. Um, and I, frankly, I thought that they were just going to kill the white guy uh, because I thought that would be part of his, um, uh, I think you mentioned his, his honor, I guess, you know, that he, yeah. he would only kill white guys. Um, and I think for the most part, that is the case. But obviously, mm-hmm. he made an exception there and with the cab driver.
0: And I don't, you know. Now, if you look at the poster too, the poster gives some different impressions as well. For one, uh, you see Blackula biting the neck of a tall, slim, redheaded woman, and I don't think that hmm. that woman or anybody who looks like her ever appears in the film, which is interesting. Don't look there's? Guy.
1: A... I didn't see the poster, but yeah, no. Yeah, it, it'll
0: be on the show notes there, and there and there, uh, there's a big word, blood sucker, you know, and sucker mm-hmm. by being part of black slang as well, and blood sucker and,
1: and know, blood right. as well. I think. Oh uh, yeah, why, sure. I, I don't know. I mean, I think of wh-
0: Well, uh, that movie. Know, I'm gonna get of, you sucker, you know. Right right, right, right.
1: I don't know the history of gangs if bloods and crips existed back then. Oh, probably um, so, some proto
0: version yeah. of them did. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah.
1: Uh, if not, it was a slang. Uh, yeah. So I, I could see that pun.
0: Right. And there's also an illustration of Dracula or Bla- <laughs> Blackula, sorry, <Yeah. laughs> with a, with a stake through his heart, which that never happens as either. So you know, it is they're very fast and loose with the marketing. I guess I'll just give them that. But they are they are you know obviously playing off a little bit of the sexual dynamics of the vampire and, and the erotic attraction of that character, just generally speaking. And as we've already said, uh, this is a. This is a pretty masculine a pretty macho vampire not in a toxic way he's a he's a dignified solid man you know he's in fact even uh, some of the other gentlemen that he uh, crosses paths with in the club scenes they're a little bit more frivolous ridiculous you know little peacocks mm-hmm. and and strutters whereas you know uh prince mama Walde, he he's a grounded man of substance you know a little bit more experienced uh, very suave very classy. He orders the French champagne He kisses woman on the hand when they're introduced to him. So, you know, he's got that smooth suave polish to him And I think that's what makes him again a pretty interesting and attractive character
1: Yeah, and I think he's attractive to both black men and black females or I would <laughs> mm-hmm. assume because I mean mm-hmm. this movie was a, a big success but yeah his his um, but yeah, he he's a, a large character and, and in that sense, I mean, almost built like a football player. Like, yeah, I could, oh yeah, I could, I could see Jim Brown playing uh, that mm-hmm. this role. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jim Brown was acting at this time. And oh yeah, pop- he,
0: he was starting to do some of those action roles for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's kind of the the what I, I obviously disclaimer. I'm a white male, but mm-hmm. it feel, feels like that's the ideal black um, uh, masculine. Uh, I guess characteristics.
0: Uh, I think one of them. I, the uh, one. Yeah, William Marshall is the name of the actor. He is apparently you know trained Shakespearean actor, so he he really had the delivery mm-hmm. and the mannerisms and the poise down. Uh, later on in his career, he was the king of cartoons on Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> um, definitely worth looking up some of the screen credits of of the uh, of the cast because they are some very interesting. You know, none of these were what you might consider major stars um who went on to you know cinematic immortality but they had interesting careers they found opportunities to act and perform take on different roles and and I think William marshall uh you know he obviously you had to command center stage and I think he did a, a pretty uh, admirable job of it
1: I agree I think he was a extremely uh strong leading man and um and you know that, to identify with a uh i guess you can call him an anti-hero uh, a romantic uh, uh, honorable anti-hero i i think he really um did fit that um what they were going for um not everybody was a good actor <laughs> oh no of, yeah yeah and and not <laughs> the writing you know um we'll just say that dr Thomas stumbles on a book <laughs> and that uh you know it sets the plot uh back in motion but yeah I, I think he he really was he did uh you know kind of embody uh what was great about um um or what people would see as great about black black uh males mhm mhm
0: um yeah there were there were definitely the moments of comic relief as well i think about uh, elisha cook jr not a maybe a familiar name but the face you probably will recognize if you've watched much of 50s 60s 70s tv he's the guy who had the little hook hand he was the morgue attendant (laughs) (laughs) just kind of a a goofy throwaway character and of course you know he's going to meet his doom soon enough there was the the taxi cab driver. Uh, what uh, K- Ketty Lester is her name? She played a pretty interesting sort of archetype of the mad black woman. I mean, like mm, the really yeah. crazy, shrieky, wild hair, and and they played that up cinematically. Where you know, after uh, she had hit the uh, hit Prince Mumawalde with her cab, he was kind of distracted. Right. Uh, he he turns her into a vampire pretty classic scene there she's the one who shows up at the morgue uh her body is sort of brought out to thaw from the deep freeze when the uh dr thomas is trying to figure out what's going on and he thinks that she might have been another vampire victim but since her body is brought out but the room is not locked she of course has a big breakout scene where she's running straight to the camera her eyes just bugged out you know her fangs showing and it's kind of a slow motion you know it's It's a nice little mm-hmm. shivery effect, and uh, you know, having a little bit of fun with the audience playing that kind of crazed black woman uh, stereotype to the total
1: hill. I'm sure that went went over. I'm sure, I'm sure there were probably were laughs, uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. again, that, that's because people are seeing themselves represented and their uh, um you know their their humor uh, the, what what is appealing to them uh, mm-hmm. represented, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. That's why um, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie and, and I, I i you mentioned the budget and um and i obviously we're not going to be talking about the uh too much about the cinematography mise-en-scene all these uh, cinematic terms right but i, I thought they actually it, it it was not a great production obviously they didn't have the money or they didn't use the money to um to really make it like a a picture i for lack of a better word but they did have some creativity i i, I thought the um the dark room where they have the um, Mm -hmm. the, kind of the the red overlay yeah Uh, I thought that was pretty impressive and there are other some other shots um, especially like the club scenes I thought just the way they um, shot the characters was was interesting um, but not everything you know th- this they were not going for art here um, no no
0: it, i mean basically it was it was a variety show literally i mean mm-hmm. you you had some music numbers you had a a trio called the hughes corporation h-u-e-s uh, you know they don't perform this song in the in the movie the song rock the boat which is kind of a 1974 kind of early disco hit uh, still gets played in commercials and sports arenas and everything so probably a lot of people know rock the boat but this this is the same group this was probably a couple years before rock the boat was recorded so they were already on their way up and but they definitely get some very generous uh screen time as well Mm -hmm. as like three or four like i think three full full songs you know not just little samples uh they had some time to fill i suppose as far as the uh you know runtime was concerned but you know nice exposure for them and for anybody who's got a fondness for that early 70s kind of r&b soul music i think they're credible so you know they they're they're giving the audience a lot of different things to to latch onto and enjoy for a few minutes mm-hmm. you know the mood definitely fluctuates from kind of campy comic stuff to uh you know inside jokes within the black community and then it gets a little bit more somber and serious uh there's that little central section of the film where uh prince Mama is is speaking to uh tina or luva as yeah. he calls her right and kind of <laughs> You know that's where he is getting serious and is kind of pouring in uh, some of his his emotions into the situation and and as you had said, Aaron, you know, kind of bringing out the uh, the fact that he was enslaved uh, when he went to uh, Dracula, you know, on a on a serious mission uh a, a, an appeal to what he thought was the his host's humanity obviously he didn't really exactly know who he was speaking to uh, but but the idea that you know he he did this travel he spoke up on behalf of his people mm-hmm. and he paid a terrible price and was abused and exploited for uh for taking that that uh chance to be an advocate so you know there, there are some there's some pathos in there of course it's a contrived character uh, not not necessarily plausible or true to life, but still, I think the heart and the emotion behind it, uh, and the thought and the realization that yeah, this was just a, a terrible tragedy that that afflicted you know generations and, and millions mm-hmm. of, of people who were really innocent of any wrongdoing to to bring such adversity upon themselves. So you know. they 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 maybe lurch a little bit from one one kind of emotional tone to the next but I think it all falls together in pretty good order and then you've got a pretty good uh robust uh conclusion I mean I think I think the climactic scenes of the film when all of the uh you know pieces are put together uh Dr. Thomas has figured out you know that yes this this uh Mama Walde guy is a vampire. He's out there presenting dangers to people. Something's got to be
1: done. Uh, Sorry, David. Can yeah. I add one yeah. thing before yeah, we leave? Yeah, please do for sure. Yeah, uh, w- one thing that really uh, resonated with me, uh, and and again the slavery concept, and also this being a benevolent vampire. Uh, you you kind of touched on it just a moment ago, but I really thought it was interesting how he said he would not um, make make a, a Tina. Mm-hmm. a vampire because right. he would not be hurt in slaver. so he right. he's kind of contrasting his ethics from um, bad Dracula you know the, yeah, like he's, the racist one
0: <laughs> right or, or, or the Dracula's who just take what they right. want because their desire is just so overpowering like Mm-hmm. This is a this is a, a vampire it. with self control, exactly. Uh who has actual compassion for the people that he truly loves. I mean, there probably may be some vampire purists out there who say that's not a true vampire emotion or whatever, but I, I like that that nuance in the character. Uh he wants Tina to be with him voluntarily mm-hmm. out of genuine love, not coercion or compulsion
1: there. So yeah, and you probably know. Guess why I wanted to get to this yeah. before the ending? Because, uh, yeah, the way things shake out are are kind of interesting. Um, but, but yeah, uh, he, yeah, he, he was uh, again. I'm saying he was the uh, the gentleman, uh, Blackula. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, but I, you know, but I thought that you know the 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 ending of again for a low budget film, you've got a couple of. You know, people set on fire. You've got mm-hmm. kind of a, yeah. a, a nest of vampires. You know, the kind of creepy surrounding you. They're all closing in, and these these are almost like you know stock and trade type of horror setups. But you know, effectively enough executed, I thought to uh, you mm-hmm. know to say, yeah, this was this was a, an interesting good, good time, and even like I say, the the final final scenes of the film uh, again. Uh, Presenting that character with some nobility and and dignity that uh, isn't typically what you always see at the end of uh, you know vampire movies when it's just you get that stake through their heart <laughs> put them out of their misery <laughs> and let uh, let the survivors you know breathe a sigh of relief uh,
1: yeah and that's why I think a, I, I mentioned that a lot of va- vampire Dracula uh, films are. Um they portray the the protagonists as anti heroes and I would say that in this case he's not an anti hero he basically is a hero uh the cops are the villains the white cops well there are a lot lots of villains um but well you know, also in that ending yeah. you, you, a couple white cops are involved mm-hmm. um and then uh you know spoiler alert he uh blackula saves the day so he the yeah. film ends with him being um you know i guess oh. his his personal brand being the uh the brightest.
0: Um. Well, he he does the heroic thing, which is self-sacrifice yeah. for the larger good, right? Yes. Uh, in fact, exactly. I I love that scene. We are definitely fully spoiling it here, but uh, when uh, Doctor Thomas, I think, pulls a crucifix, or he starts to pull a crucifix out of his jacket, and of course, the standard vampire trope is like they see even two fingers in the form of a cross; they're just freaking out. They can't handle it, right? Right. right. But Blackula says. No need for that, you know. I got this. (laughs) You can just put that, you know, just put that crucifix away. Uh, You know, I've got my own destiny to to fulfill, but I'm going to do it on my terms. Again, that's again just impressive and and uh, respectful and dignified.
1: I I really appreciated that. And and again, as you pointed out, in control. He's basically in control of every situation that he's, even if he stumbles upon it um except for maybe uh that one time when he chases down uh what he thinks is his old old uh uh, yeah. uh female but um but yeah no he he uh, was definitely a great character and i i think um yeah so i, uh, I don't know if we're going to dig into more of the ending uh, but it was a more romantic ending
0: uh, yeah well and- yeah go ahead you know, take it where you want to go i mean i think yeah there's a there's definitely a very interesting reversal that happens between well, him and his wife, <laughs> right.
1: Right. I think it's just interesting in the context of mm-hmm. uh, him refusing to enslave her previously, uh, but he still makes her a vampire. But it's out of love, out of uh, you know, uh, uh, more care, love, care, um, and um, so when right because because right, she's it, just been
0: shot, right? So this exactly. is his way of actually kind of saving he her, yeah. saving her life, you know. <laughs> but then she doesn't make it, and and that's what where he finally says, you know what. If she's gone, I have no more purpose, I have mm-hmm. no more hope, so I will just, you know, end all these shenanigans and just, you know, yeah. face the sunlight, which again, a uh, self-sacrificing vampire, a one who walks manfully to his own doom, that's, that's an interesting twist. Yeah. It's an idea that you can sort of just, you know, ponder for a little bit. It's say, yeah, Romeo and Juliet
1: uh, <laughs> esque. Exactly. I say. For but, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's not your typical uh, Dracula or vampiric ending. Although you know we have seen people, um, you know, get burnt by the sun.
0: Oh sure, yeah.
1: But and again, the, the budget, the uh, the. the the, the aftermath of that scene. Was, <laughs> the, the special uh,
0: effects budget that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: like I said, this is not <laughs> this is not not Godard. Although a lot of these uh, filmmakers were inspired by by those type, types of films.
0: Well, interesting. that William Crane is the director's name. I don't know a whole lot about him. I did put a little couple of links. I actually put his IMDb page listings because it looks like he did a fair amount of TV, and uh, he. Um, he was part of this first film school generation, what they call the L.A. Rebellion. So, he really was a contemporary of people like you know Spielberg and Coppola, George Lucas, all the guys who kind of came out of that first generation from UCLA Film School. Uh, he, he himself, William Crane, uh, was a black man who went to UCLA Film School. So, as part of that movement, he's still alive. He was born in 1949, and uh, yeah, his his. Um, his career definitely never hit the heights of, of the directors I've just quoted and named there. But he did, uh, you know, The Mod Squad. He did Dukes of Hazard and SWAT, Starsky and Hutch. So, again, more in the TV realm. But this was his, I think, his feature-length debut. Oh, he also worked on a film called Brother John, which uh, William Remmers and I talked about a few years ago. That was one of Sidney Poitier's kind of transitional films. You know, he had that mammoth year in 67 uh to serve with love the heat of the night who's coming to dinner but then you know he kind of hit his peak but then he had the rest of his career and 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 he i think became a little bit weary of being this Mm -hmm. larger than life nobler than noble black icon he wanted to be a real person and brother john was an interesting film that he did With a little bit of a supernatural kind of mystery going on there, and uh, William Crane was one of the second unit directors on that film. So, uh, interesting, yeah. So, so this was a film made by a black man for primarily a black audience, I'm sure, Uh, and maybe a little bit of a cash in, you know, just to Mm -hmm. to kind of play with these ideas. Uh, But again, it's a successful one, and even though we see blackula meet his doom at the end there's always room for a sequel (laughs) and they did (laughs) they did squeeze one out of it called scream blackula scream which is not part of the criterion channel bundle uh, and it was made, I think, a year or two later. So, and... curious how they'll
1: uh, bring him back. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll
0: find it. Well, I mean, with the with the Christopher Lees, I know that you know a, a drop of blood on a little bit of vampire right, right. dust brings the whole
1: body back <laughs> to life. <laughs> it's an easy uh, franchise to so, revive. Yeah, right. uh, no, no pun intended. Um, I think that's interesting about the uh, the director uh, um, about Crane because Is... him. I, I didn't even think about the fact that. Yeah, he's a contemporary of the American New Wave. Right. And all the filmmakers, all the white filmmakers that you mentioned, um, have become, you know, uh, are seen as auteurs for the most part. Sure. By many. Um, and you know, aside from a couple of the black exploitation, of course, I'm not an expert. But um, you know, I'm, I'm, this film did well. I'm sure uh, this director had a fine career, in t- whether it was on TV or otherwise. But the thing is, he did not get the same opportunities after exploitation right. kind of faded. Uh, that those other filmmakers. So uh, I'm glad you pointed that out. It kind of um, speaks to the injustice just within the industry. So sure. they're finally going to make f- black films for black people by black people, but and Hollywood is only gets on board once Sweetback pro- proves the model. So mm-hmm. sorry to talk in business terms, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, if Sweetback yep. made no money, black exploitation would not have happened. Right. Um, so and eventually it ended which is yeah interesting in itself.
0: Well the other thing that's interesting too is that you know, we've talked about black exploitation but this is this is pretty mild as far as the exploitation yeah. element is concerned there's really nothing all that sexual I mean I think even in the love scene um Blackula keeps his shirt on, you know, yeah, and yeah. and uh, you know uh, we've already talked a little bit about the use of some slurs. There's a couple n words that drop here and there mm-hmm. as well, not more more in humorous usage rather than in you know accusatory right, right. or or uh, uh, yeah, insulting things of like that. But but still, you know, uh, language that was used certainly with more freedom and less conscientiousness. In mm-hmm. those times, than it would be now, um, but you know, really, other than maybe a few moments, this really wouldn't be too upsetting for even you know, uh, you know, young teenagers. Uh, you know, this it's I'm not going to call it a family film by any means, but it's <laughs> it certainly doesn't go as as far as you might think. When I talk about black exploitation horror, you might think, well, it's going to you know, go into some you know kind of risque directions, and it really does not. Um, so from that angle, yeah. it's it's pretty family friendly, uh, relatively speaking.
1: Right? Great observation. Uh, it, if that if the rating existed back then, I could almost see an argument for PG thirteen or, yeah. or maybe with a few cuts. Uh, but but you're right. Uh, you know, um, Sweetback, Melvin Van has oh, yeah. got, got venereal <laughs> disease. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was uh, Marshall is not going to v- Yeah, right. PG right. on this. Nope. no. Um, no. Everybody kind of came
0: out pretty, pretty healthy and strong. It, I think
1: very tame. You're right. Uh, did not push many buttons. And I, I think maybe I, I'm not. I'm just speculating. And this isn't the time to really uh, kind of uh, d- dig into black exploitation as a movement. But mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if sort of the um, taking that that edge away might have led, and, and then making it more commercial might have kind of led to its undoing. So I'm, I'm curious if other experts might have some thoughts on that or if you do david
0: yeah no i you know i really don't i mean this was apparently one of the more commercially successful films of 1972 Um uh, few episodes back we did the poseidon adventure which was by far the biggest blockbuster and of course this is the same year that the godfather yep. <laughs> came out as well but and so you know so there were some really big movies i think the french connection was a 71 release but that still had a lot of legs of course that was back when theaters would run the same movie for three four or five months or even longer in some cases right, because right. that's where you would go to see that movie and movies that had a kind of a repeat appeal um You know, would would just kind of hold the theater down for a while. So, uh, Blackula apparently did pretty good business, and I'm sure the uh, the investors got a pretty juicy return from uh from what they put into getting this film made so yeah i, I think Kudos that's to them yeah. yeah yeah exactly so yeah blackenstein i in fact i had even mentioned at the end of the previous episode that we were going to cover both blackula and blackenstein but i watched it and it's like no i really do not need yeah. to force the conversation <laughs> there uh that really is is not a very appealing movie maybe if i watched it again i could find some redeeming values but I, I just kind of felt more insulted by that one. Uh, this one here, I think it, it does have that touch of class and kind of a little bit of an elevated perspective that uh, made me feel like, yeah, this is a worthwhile. I've watched it twice fall the way through, um, yeah, and I felt mm-hmm. it was time well spent
1: yeah and we we look at it we talked about it for almost an hour now, so <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah I, uh, we had covered uh the black and Sinal, was it yeah it might have gone longer but yeah i I certainly understand why it was successful and i and I also understand i, I think it's interesting how um you know shaft S- sweetback you know they played as you mentioned the movies would play at the same theater for long long periods of time. that mm-hmm. certainly happened with um uh, the pr- previous exploitation films and i actually did look it up on when shaft was uh released versus when production started for yeah. um blackula and it was within a few months so um uh, clear through line between the the two films um and also you know what th- that's why this is one of the centerpieces i think of the that whole movement um yeah so yeah i i enjoyed it not a great i'm not you mentioned the, the the Godfather. I'm not going to put up <laughs> against that, but I might put right. it against you know other films coming out at that time, like like the disaster movies, mm-hmm. um, uh, the airport movies, you know that kind yeah. of thing. There, there were bad movies in the 70s.
0: Well, um, no, I, I think I think they give audiences. Uh... You know, thrills and chills and something to think about. Some cool, funky tunes. In fact, I, I use uh, YouTube Music as my streaming service. There is a soundtrack album. Uh, the Gene, oh, nice. Gene Page was the uh, composer. And it's got a lot of that, you know, kind right, right. of you know, funky guitar. The Isaac riffs. Hayes kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, very much Isaac Hayes imitators here. But it's a pretty cool, kicking soundtrack. I've played it in background a little bit over the past few days. And nice. got got some nice... Uh, some nice beats to it so yeah all in all a decent entertainment yeah agreed all right so yeah so you know we've uh we always like to kind of end the business uh here on the, on the episode with just some kind of personal catching up i know we did a little bit of that at the beginning but yeah any other little tidbits or, or thoughts you have just as far as you know catching up listeners with uh what you got going on or or you know maybe uh you know talk a little bit about recent criterion events and all that i know you mentioned that the layoffs and i think you probably yeah, have a, yeah. a more extensive conversation we don't need to get all deep into that right there but uh i don't know just kind of how's it going and and uh, how do we want to wrap up this episode
1: <laughs> good question well yeah unfortunately I, I i do feel for the criterion employees and i'm sure that's something we'll cer- certainly be talking about um you yeah, know we have a lot more questions and answers at this point so sure a yeah, lot I mean, of speculation
0: I don't really want to be too yeah. loose with that stuff right
1: there have a lot of a lot of quick takes so yeah i want, want to see what happens yeah. yeah a lot of
0: a lot of armchair uh, folks out there saying here's the here's the solution to criteria problems right, right. and we don't even really know exactly who the people who got let go what, what did do they do were they working for the channel were they working in the art department were they working on project development i mean yeah we you know it's it's or production overly... just production yeah right yeah, right exactly so uh, you know Criterion, and this is the thing. I mean, yeah, they could they could make money releasing any number of genre things or our f- personal favorite, you know, pet pet projects right, of, right. of movies. Uh, but but they are a, a distinct company with their own voice, their own kind of editorial perspective, and they're not going to just sell out to just move product.
1: That's just not who they are or who right. they've ever been. So. Um, I think there was a lot of yeah. hey they didn't put out my favorite movie so uh <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's why um say so yeah, yeah we'll 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 find out eventually right uh, but as for what's coming up you know we uh we are we are back at it as i mentioned there's going to be an episode out soon uh, about catching up on criterion uh, we're gonna have one out soon, catching up on everything beyond Criterion, because I, I think we've actually escaped the confines of just Criterion uh, with sure, uh, Criterion sure. now, which is ironic that we have, yeah, you know, it still have the same name, but we, we're basically just physical media and in yeah. some aspects uh, streaming. Um, we are working on a couple of directors uh, that are coming to the collection, um, or or are in the collection and coming to. So um, keep posted. And we ha- have some just overall exciting guests. And I think we'll pick up our, you'll start seeing probably maybe, maybe bi weekly episodes pretty soon. Um, and then finally, David, I'll, I'll also say that I'm, I am one of those people that watches only horror in October. <laughs> Good, so, yeah. I'm, um, I'm going to put in a science fiction horror uh, event horizon, which I haven't seen in a while. Oh, um, yeah. Com- coming up. Cool. And, and then uh, the last Friday the 13th, and then I'm going to sell the box set. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been put, putting a few bargains out there. I've, I've noticed that uh, yeah. in the Criterion Now group. So, well, Aaron has really have been a fantastic time catching up with you. and uh, Likewise. Definitely uh, encourage listeners, if you're not already a regular subscriber, get on the Criterion Cast main feed. They'll have all the episodes that we release. Uh, but definitely good to have Criterion Now back on the regular uh schedule popping up with new episodes every couple weeks or so so look forward to hearing the new one whenever you get that mixed and out there as far as my next episode is concerned i'm sort of uh wavering back and forth i might do the last house on the left i might do sounder I might do a Zadoichi film, so I got to talk to some of my guests, some of the people who signed up, and see what uh, falls into place the quickest, and uh, we'll have a new episode, hopefully fairly soon. But I'm not exactly sure what we're going to be getting to yet, so uh, hang in suspense there for a little bit longer.
1: Hey, can I can I vote just to it? It's a triple <laughs> triple feature. Those those films are so alo- so much alive. Yeah, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> one one common theme that unites them all. <laughs> all right, Aaron. Well, thanks a lot. Good night, everybody. We'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.